Greetings and welcome to an exciting episode of Pretentious Internet Theatre. I am your host, Andrew Cook, a man so late I once counted to infinity twice. Ladies, gentlemen, lowlifes, welcome to autumn and welcome to the fall of Pit. Once again, we celebrate that season between summer and winter. Or for those of you from Florida, we celebrate that season between hot and not so hot. And in other parts of the country, the ice cream man stops coming round your house right about now. For those of you in the southern hemisphere, as we saw we had fans from Uruguay and Australia, and Queensland in particular, uh, welcome to the spring of Pitt! We are having a wondrous celebration, and... When you guys get the fall of Pit, we'll most likely be on our fifth anniversary. So, so it comes round. We we make sure that we accommodate the other side of the of the world, and and everyone's all peaceful. Peaceful brought together things around the world reminds me of the Olympics. Yes, and tonight's episode is in celebration of the Olympic Games. These the ones that were selected to go to Tokyo in the year 2020. Who could have seen this coming? Anyone who saw the movie Akira. Yes, in the movie Akira, which takes place in the year 2019, Tokyo, Neo-Tokyo, had built an Olympic stadium. Now, in order for the events of Akira to actually come to pass, we'd have to have genetic engineering, some sort of nuclear disaster, and be on the verge of World War III. So, unfortunately, the events of Akira far-fetched and definitely not happening. I have the next best thing, and that's me reading a fan fiction for you. Celebrate the first day of autumn. You don't have to worry about it being the first day of autumn. You can listen to this program anytime on iTunes. And if you have a story suggestion, as we're going to try to punch through as many stories as we possibly can to celebrate this fall, you can email us at thepitpodcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. And of course, visit us on pitpodcast.com. This season... The reason for the season of which it is celebrated reminds me of a quote by George Eliot. Delicious autumn, my very soul is wedded to it. And if I were a bird, I would fly about the earth, seeking the successive autumns. Today's story is rather unique, in which the author themselves, Disc Girl, took it upon herself to write a sequel to what happened after the events of the movie Akira. Let's see how she interpreted this. Pretentious Internet Theatre proudly presents Tetsuo Lives by Disc Girl. Chapter 1. Crush. Kaneda! Kaori! Help me! What's happening to me? Oh my god, everything's so dark! I can't see! I can't see! Keep moving, Tetsuo. You'll find your way. Kyoko, is that you? Takashi? Misaru? Where are you? I can't see you. You'll find the light. No. Car, he's dead. I've killed her. It's my fault. It's all my fault! Tetsuo opened his eyes quickly, 
He was covered in sweat. Had he dreamt the whole thing? The accident, the children, the experiments, the final battle? He must have done. His head ached, though, like a severe throbbing in his temples, like the pain he had dreamt about. A hangover, of course, he said happily. I must have drank too much and passed out here and dreamt the whole thing. Hate to break it to you, kid, but this ain't no dream. Which means it is, because that's a double negative. Tetsuo looked across to where the voice came from to see a man about 40 years old, leaning on the mailbox and smoking a cigar. He was wearing glasses and a long, dirty overcoat and a brown pork pie hat. Who the hell are you? asked Tetsuo. 32. You can call me Nobuyuki, Tetsuo, he said, outing the cigar on the mailbox. How do you know my name? asked Tetsuo. I've read your mind. How else do you think? And I'm sorry, but it's true. You did kill Yamagata and Kaori. You almost killed Kaneda, too. If it wasn't for Kyoko, Takashi, and Misaru, you would have done, said Nobuyuki. I did. Oh my god, Kaori! Yama, because of me? Where am I? asked Tetsuo. You're in Hikari said Nobuyuki, helping Tetsuo to his feet. It's the only place strong enough to hold our kind. What do you mean our kind? asked Tetsuo. Oh, come on, Tetsuo, don't act like a dumbass. We're all here for the same reason. We all have psychic powers that are too much for normal human beings to handle. Too much for Earth, so they sent us here, replied Nobuyuki. And where exactly is Hikari? asked Tetsuo. He looked at his right arm. It was back to normal, not the metal arm he had fashioned in the stadium. Hey, my arm! It's back! In Hikari, you will return to your true form. Nothing artificial, like that metal arm you made yourself. You're just a normal teenage boy again now. Well, not quite normal, said Nobuyuki. As for Hikari, it's a prison of sorts that holds people with strong psychic powers like you and me, and like jail, you get a sentence that you must serve here. Where are those weird, wrinkled kids? I heard them a while back, but I couldn't see them, said Tetsuo. The espers are in a different place from this, Tetsuo. Much nicer. This place is for criminals. Those kids sacrificed themselves to save Canada and Neo-Tokyo. They're heroes, said Nobuyuki. Heroes? Heroes? Bullshit! It was those kids that got me into this mess in the first place. It's their full time here. I'm getting out of here. I'm going home, said Tetsuo, starting to run away. When Nobuyuki saw this, he began to laugh. What are you laughing at? said Tetsuo angrily. There's no escape, Tetsuo. You can only go when you're deemed fit to enter normal society again. I've been here 11 years, and I'm still not ready for what you've done. You'll be here a very long time, said Nobuyuki. What could you've done that's so bad it got you stuck here for over 11 years? asked Tetsuo. Nobuyuki didn't answer. He just led Tetsuo to a door across the street. He took a key out of his pocket and unlocked the door. Tetsuo walked inside and looked around. It looked so familiar, like the house he had once lived in when he was a child with his real parents. He snapped out of his trance and turned to face Nobuyuki. Welcome to my humble abode, said Nobuyuki, taking off his coat and hat. 
placing them on a stand. So, why'd you bring me here? said Tetsuo. Well, unless you'd rather sleep in the street, said Nobuyuki. Are you inviting me to stay? asked Tetsuo. Of course. After all, Kaneda was the only person you could really depend on, wasn't he? Well, he's not here. You'll have to stay here with me, replied Nobuyuki. Thanks, said Tetsuo. No, one apart from Kaneda had been this nice to him. All of a sudden, the door to the kitchen opened, and a young girl, about Tetsuo's age, walked out. She was very slim, and had long, black hair. Uncle Nobuyuki, you're back, she said, giving him a hug. She looked over towards Tetsuo, and smiled at him. Who's your friend, she asked. This is Tetsuo Shima. He's new here, and doesn't have anybody. So he's staying with us, said Nobuyuki. Excellent, said the girl. She walked over to Tetsuo and placed her hand under his chin. You're a cute one. What are you in for? Mass destruction of Neo-Tokyo, replied Tetsuo. My, aren't you a naughty boy, she said, rubbing her arms up and down his shoulders. Tetsuo grabbed her arms and pulled them off him. And you are Masio, replied the girl. Okay, Masio, could you not touch me, please, said Tetsuo. Trying to push her away, Masio smiled at Tetsuo and then walked back into the kitchen. Who the hell was that? asked Tetsuo. Masio, did you paying attention? My niece, said Nobuyuki. Well, not exactly my niece. She was abandoned by her parents. I took her in. Tetsuo sighed. He knew exactly how Masio felt. Even though he couldn't remember his real parents. He knew how it felt to be unwanted and abandoned by the people who were supposed to love you more than anything. Chapter 2 At First Sight Masio stuck her head out from the kitchen door. Tetsuo, you hungry? She said, still staring at him. Starving, said Tetsuo. He was as well. He couldn't remember the last time he'd eaten. I guess with all the clown mauling, bike exploding, powers awakening, looking for Akira, fighting my best friend, and destroying Neo-Tokyo, and killing thousands, I must have forgotten to eat, he said to himself. Tetsuo turned around to face Nobuyuki, who was staring at him weirdly. Do I have something hanging from my nose, said Tetsuo, irritated. No, said Nobuyuki, you just remind me of some one, that's all. Tetsuo stared at Nobuyuki with a perplexed look on his face. How old are you anyway, Tetsuo? shouted Masio from the kitchen. I'll be 16 in July, Tetsuo shouted back. What a coincidence! That's the same ages, said Masio. Before she was interrupted by Nobuyuki saying, So, Masio, dinner ready yet? Yeah, come and get it, she shouted. Tetsuo, I hope you're as hungry as you said you were. Why are we having? asked Tetsuo. Steak, fries, fried egg, and mushrooms, said Masio. Tetsuo's stomach rumbled like it had never before. Steak. He had never eaten steak in his life. When he was with Kaneda, he didn't know what the hell he used to eat. But one thing for sure, it wasn't steak. Tetsuo sat down at a table, picked up a knife and fork, and began to devour the food before Nobuyuki and Masio even sat down. Tetsuo was eaten like a pig, like he had never eaten before. Shit, boy, don't they feed you where you come from? asked Nobuyuki. 
Well, where I grew up, you had your choice of salmonella and fries or a knuckle sandwich. So Canada and I found our own food, said Tetsuo in between mouthfuls. Who's Canada? said Masio, starting to eat her own food. My friend, hesitated Tetsuo. Got any beer for you? No, you're 15 for Christ's sakes, said Nobuyuki. Normally, Tetsuo would have said something back. But stick meals, a warm place to stay. Tetsuo needed Nobuyuki a lot more than Nobuyuki needed him. Without Kaneda and his powers temporarily out of action, he wouldn't survive long on his own. So he decided to keep quiet. With dinner over and done with, Tetsuo sat back in the chair and relaxed, patting his stomach. He had never had a meal like that in his life. Did you like my food, Tetsuo? asked Masio, fishing for compliments. Tetsuo sat up and stared at Marcia. She was pretty okay. She was a little annoying, but she was one hell of a cook, and she kind of reminded him of Kaori. Tetsuo had to focus of something else. Thinking of Kaori just made his heart ache with a pain he'd never felt before in his life. He thought he should pay Marcio a compliment. Who knows, being nice might even suit him. It was great, thanks. I'd never had a meal like that before, he said. Nobuyuki sniffed Tetsuo and turned completely nauseous. Masio, why don't you run Tetsuo a nice bath? I'm sure he could use one, he said. Actually, I am fine, said Tetsuo. Please, I insist, said Nobuyuki. Do you want me to scrub his back too? asked Masio, running her fingertips up and down Tetsuo's shoulder. Tetsuo leaned away from Masio. He wasn't used to this much affection, not even from Kaori. Someone not read the manga? No, just the bath, thank you, said Nobuyuki, quite aware of Masio's flirting. Tetsuo sat down in the hot bath. It was wonderful. Masio picked his clothes up off the floor. Jacuzzi, Tetsuo? No, he shouted, no jacuzzi. You're not getting in this tub with me. Do you always come on this strong? A whirlpool bath, Tetsuo. You look like you need to relax. Said Masio, flipping a switch, causing a mass of bubbles to pour out the side of the bath. Hey, whoa, said Tetsuo, pushing his hands against the bubble like a little child. Masio smiled and walked out of the bathroom. Bubbles, this is so cool. Where I grew up, if we wanted a jacuzzi like this, we had to fart in the tub. He started to laugh. After Tetsuo had finished in the bath, which fully dried and clothed, Masio came in and sat next to him. Nobuyuki was busy in the kitchen. You got a girlfriend back on earth, he said, making her way closer to him and placing her hand on his knee. Did have, he said quietly, but I killed her. He strained to stop tears running down his face. He hated it when girls saw him cry. Made him feel like less of a man. Oh, you poor guy, you need to relax. She said slowly moved her hand up his leg closer to his groin. Tetsuo noticed what she was doing. What are you doing? He asked, astonished. I'm going to give you a hand job. That should relax you, she said seductively. Normally, Tetsuo would have jumped at the chance to have a pretty girl do that for him, but he didn't feel right. He jumped up quickly. I'm going out for some fresh air, he said, walking out the door. Tetsuo walked slowly round the town, his hands in his pockets. This place was worse than Neo-Tokyo. Crackheads, prostitutes, the scum of the earth, they were all there for the same reason he was. Except, 
not one of them was even half as powerful as he was. He sighed. With his destructive powers put out of action, he felt like he did when he was in Kaneda's gang. A no-body. He noticed a bar just in front of him. He could use a drink, so he walked in. It was the pits. It made the Harukiya bar look like the White House. He walked to the bar. He was just about to order when he glanced over to his left and saw the most beautiful girl he'd ever seen in his life huddled over the bar, looking completely depressed. She had short brown hair, about the same length as his hair. Beautiful eyes. She was wearing a skimpy red PVC vest top, a sleeveless denim jacket, a black leather skirt, black leather shoulder-length gloves, stockings and suspenders with ankle-length boots. She looked like a prostitute, but she was so beautiful. Tetsuo walked over to her. Hi, can I get you a drink? He said, smiling at her. The girl looked at him and huffed. I don't think so, Junior, she said nonchalantly. I'm Tetsuo, and I just got here. Congratulations, she said sarcastically. And you are, he said, hopefully. Out of your league, she snapped. She picked up her bag and walked out the door. Jeez, what's her problem, said Tetsuo, watching her leave. To be continued soon. Chapter 3. Rejection. Tetsuo seemed to walk around Hikari forever. He trudged through the dirt, staring down at the floor, unable to get this beautiful girl from the bar out of his mind. What was wrong with him? Maybe he shouldn't answer that question. He liked girls, of course. What 15-year-old boy didn't? But there was something different about this girl. He'd only said three sentences to her, yet he felt like he knew her. She was beautiful, rude but beautiful. Then again, he was no gentleman. He was just some psychotic freak who killed his girlfriend and whose only friends at the moment was a weird telepathic drunk and a young flirt who wanted to give him a job within a few minutes of meeting him. Then he remembered how he met Kaori at school. Within a few minutes of meeting her, they were making out in the staff room and a few minutes after that, she had a hand in his lap stopped dead in his tracks, stared up at the sky, starting to get dark. He made his way back to Nobuyuki's house and slowly walked inside. As soon as she saw him walk in, Masio came rushing up to him and flung her arms around him. Oh my god, Tetsuo, where have you been? I was so worried about you, she said, holding on to him. Masio, you're not my sister and we've only met a few hours ago. How can you be worried about me? Said Tetsuo, pushing her away. Because I like you, Tetsuo, she said, smiling. Tetsuo looked up at the ceiling in disbelief. You don't even know me, Marcio, he said, walking away from her. I don't have to know you to know that you're cute, replied Marcio. You think I'm cute, said Tetsuo, turning around and looking at Marcio strangely. Of course I do. You're like the cutest boy I've ever seen. You have lovely blue eyes. Smiled Marcio, walking over to Tetsuo seductively. Yeah, said Tetsuo. It's a shame, because they're hazel. Tetsuo, have you never been with a girl before? Asked Marcio. That's my business, Marcio. God, said Tetsuo in disbelief. Jeez, do you always have to come on this strong? Marcio walked up close to Tetsuo and wrapped her arms around him and gently ran her forefinger down the center of his face, past his nose, 
and across his lips. Come, Tetsuo, Nobuyuki would never know. Masio whispered in his ear. Have you got a condom? Masio, no! F***ing you isn't going to make me feel any better. Well, I mean it would, but I... Tetsuo hesitated. He looked round the room not knowing what to do. Then he thought to himself, was he crazy? A beautiful was throwing herself at him. He was turning her down. Girls never threw themselves at him. Kaneda and Yamagata, maybe, but not him. Do you not think I'm pretty enough, Tetsuo? Is that it? Masio said sadly, looking into Tetsuo's eyes. No, babe, it's not that. I think you're hot. Just I don't want to, said Tetsuo. Masio sighed sadly and unwrapped her arms up from around Tetsuo. Tetsuo walked away and turned around to face Masio again. Felt so horny right now, but he just couldn't. Felt like he was crazy. Either that, or he was turning funny. Either one of those options wasn't good. Masio sat down on the sofa and looked down sadly at the floor. Tetsuo sighed and walked into his room. It was now completely dark, and the velvet sky was filled with diamond stars. He walked over to the window and stared up into the stars, resting his elbows on the window's ledge. I don't know if you're up there, Cory, or if you can even hear me, he said sadly, gazing up at the stars. I can't believe I let things get as far as they did, and I especially never wanted to hurt you. You were the only one who ever understood me. You cared about me, and I treated you like shit. I hate myself more for that, and I know it never seemed that way. Or I never told you. But I really loved you, Kaori. He started to cry. Huh? Look at me. I was always afraid of letting you see me cry, and I acted like a bastard towards you whenever it happened to try and act tough. But you always stood by me at the very end. I never believed in getting mushy, or any of that soulmate crap. I believed in trying to better myself because I wanted you to be proud of me as your boyfriend. I wanted to lead like Kaneda, be a ladies' man like Yamagata, be smart like Kai. But I let it go too far and resulted in me losing you forever. And I will never forgive myself for that ever. To be continued. Although perhaps not, because this hasn't been updated since... 2003. So THE END! Well... That was an interesting interpretation of the events post Takeda, the movie. <clears throat> anyway, uh, just a reminder, we are available on iTunes. Make sure you leave a review for this show. And tell your friends that they can listen to us on iTunes or Stitcher. Or they can go to pitpodcast.com. And of course, you can email your stories, or stories that you've seen, to thepitpodcast at gmail.com. Calm. Listening to this program while you're raking the leaves certainly is a great way to pass time. I recommend a Bluetooth receiver, though, for your headphones, if you do, in fact, have an MP3 player with Bluetooth broadcasting capabilities. But if you can't remember to get one of those, always remember that there is much drama on the Internet, but only the best makes pretentious internet theater good night and the pleasure is all yours i am tetsuo